0: thirty six Psalm one hundred and thirty-six Psalm one hundred and thirty six and we'll begin our reading from the first verse. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth for ever. O give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth for ever. O give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for his mercy endureth for ever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth for ever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth for ever. To Him that stretched out the earth above the waters. For His mercy endureth forever. To Him that made great lights. For His mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day. For His mercy endureth forever. The moon and the stars to rule by night. For His mercy endureth forever. To Him that smote Egypt in their firstborn. For His mercy endureth forever. And brought out Israel from among them. For His mercy endureth forever with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endureth forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which smote great kings, for his mercy endureth forever, and slew famous kings. For his mercy endureth forever, Sihon king of the Amorites. For his mercy endureth forever, and Og the king of Bashan. For his mercy endureth forever, and gave their land for an inheritance. For his mercy endureth forever, even an inheritance unto Israel his servant. For his mercy endureth forever, who remembered us in our lowest state. For his mercy endureth forever. And hath redeemed us from our enemies. For his mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh. For his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of heaven. For his mercy endureth forever. And we're in a reading at the end of that Psalm 136. Let's pray before we come to God's word. <clears throat> our Father in heaven. I pray you will come and help and bless just now. We need desperately your help. I pray again you will cleanse us from our sins and you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to come to your word in a right manner, in the right way, with reverence towards it as it is your Holy Word, but also with expectation to hear a word from you, our God. I pray your Spirit will take this word and will apply it to our hearts today, all of us, whether we're saved or not, I pray there'll be a message for us all. And the Spirit will challenge us, convict us, and encourage us today through your precious word. And I pray it'll be a blessing to us all as we consider it. Now, in Jesus' name, I ask and pray. Amen. This psalm here, Psalm 136. I want to take the whole psalm today as my text. I want to just make my way through it. And I want to see what it can teach us, what lessons God would have us to learn from this psalm this morning. Now, this psalm for me, I remember, it was probably quite an early, an early memory for me. I don't really remember much from a childhood, but this is one of the things I do remember. And I remember this psalm maybe being read in church. I'm not quite sure where, but I remember as a child taking a, a great dislike for this psalm, I didn't like it very much at all. Um, I remember thinking questions like, well, what's this psalm all about? Why does it have to be this repeating over and over and over again, for his mercy endureth forever? I wasn't against the thought, his mercy endureth forever, but I didn't understand why it had to be over and over and over again. Why this? And even maybe we all can have this thought, even maybe this morning you have thought, why does he have to read all these verses with, for his mercy endureth forever? So that's just some of the thoughts I have had whenever I was a child. But later on in life, I discovered that there is a very good reason why God has put this in his word. And God never puts a word in the Bible without a reason and a purpose. And there is a good purpose for it. And that is why I want to think about this morning with you. I want to think of why we should give thanks unto God. And I think this is the theme of this psalm from this whole Psalm 136. Now, if you kind of take an an overview of this Psalm, you'll see that it's split up very very lovely, actually. We have the introduction, which I say is from verses 1 to 4. We have the main body of the Psalm from verses 5 to 22. And then we're given a conclusion in verses 23 to 26. And I want to take the same structure as the Psalmist has here in in this Psalm 136. So my introduction will be his introduction, and uh, my main body will be his and so on. So we'll start this morning with the introduction. As I said, I want to think, first of all, uh, verses 1 to 3. So verses 1 to 3, the, the, psalm, the psalmist he starts by giving us the theme, what, what, the theme of what he's about to give us in the rest of this psalm. So verses 1 to 3, you could say he is telling us who we are to worship so, who we are to worship. And if you look at all, all these verses, you'll see there's different titles given to God. We have Lord, God, and then Lord again in verse 3. And the, the Lord and Lord are the same in, our, in, in English, or in, in our translation here. But in the original, there's, there's no name for God here that is, um, that is the same as the other one. They're all different words in the original Hebrew. So, verse 1. Uh, we have, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So give thanks unto the Lord. As you'll notice, that's in capitals, that Lord, and that is the name of God, Jehovah. So whenever Mo- Moses met God at the burning bush, God revealed to, to himself through this name, this name, Jehovah. And it was, he was revealing to. Moses that he was the covenant-keeping God. Now there's there's many uh, things we can draw out of the name Jehovah, but I want to think today of God. God is the the covenant-keeping God. So we're to give thanks. It says we'll give thanks unto the Lord. So we're to give thanks unto the God who keeps covenant with His people. Then verse two, we will give thanks unto the God of gods. So we see here it's the God of gods, and that word God is the name Elohim, and the, an idea from that word is God's strength. So we see here that we have the, the covenant-keeping almighty God of heaven. So that's who we're to give thanks to. But then verse 3, we'll give thanks to the Lord of Lords. And that is the name Adon, And that is the idea of God's sovereignty in the universe. So if you put all these three things together, who are we to worship as God's people? We're to worship the sovereign ruler of the universe who keeps covenant with his people. So then that leads us, of, for who we are to worship, that leads us then into the rest of the psalm. So again, uh, verse 4, I would say it's still, is still part of that. But that is who we are to worship. But we also have why we are to worship. If you look with me again, uh, verse 1 actually. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever." So why are we to worship God? The, the statement is given, to we'll give thanks unto the Lord. Why are we to give thanks? Well, the next, the next uh, little phrase, for he is good. So we give thanks to God because he is good. And we should always think of God and always remember that no matter what God does, he is always good. There's nothing that we can bring up an accusation against God and say... That's evil. Some men like to say God's evil. But not here. We are told that God is good. But then we have a progression again. And we we see in the rest of the verse it says, For his mercy endureth forever. So we see that we're to give thanks to God. Why? Because he is good. And how do we see his goodness? We see his goodness in his mercy toward us. And that mercy endures forever forever so that's what we see who we're to worship we're to worship the almighty covenant keeping god but we realize that he we worship him because he is good now that is such a mercy to us that he is good because if you think about it if there was an almighty god who was sovereign in all things in the earth but he wasn't good he was evil what a terror it would be to live in this world how awful it would be to live here we think of evil um, rulers has been in the past, people like Hitler and Stalin, people like these men, how evil they were. They had power and what terror they brought on their subjects. And the same would be true of God if he wasn't good, if he was evil, what terror God would bring upon us as people. But that's not true of God. We see here, he is good, so we are to worship God and we give thanks to him for his mercy, we give thanks to him because he is good to us. So that is... Um, some, some reasons why we should give thanks to God. But he does then move on. He has set the platform of who we are to worship and why we are to worship. Then, if you look across with me at verse 4, we want to think of this verse now. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. That, that uh, we phrase there, great wonders, it could also be rendered as wonders, or marvellous works, so it's the marvellous works of God. So this is also, we have to give thanks to God for his marvellous works. And this four, it's kind of like a bridge between what he started saying and what he's going on now to say in verses five on down through this, this passage on the 22. So in here, we see his marvellous works. Now, the three, the three main works of God are his, is his creation, his providence, and his redemption. Those are the three main works of God, his creation, his providence, and redemption. And as we go through the rest of this psalm, we will will see and realize that um, all of his works are here in this main body from verses 5 to 22. So we'll start now to look at verses 5 to 7, and this brings us into God's work of creation. So verses 5 to 7, To him that by wisdom made the heavens... To him that stretched out the earth above the waters. To him that made great, great lights. For his mercy endureth forever. So God's first great work is creation. And what are we to do? We are to give thanks to God for his creation. And I don't think this is something that we think of very often. Because if you look at those verses. They're all again. Have this mercy endureth forever. So God showed us his mercy in creation. He, that word mercy, it can also be translated as loving kindness. So in God's loving kindness, in his mercy, he created all things. So God didn't make this world. God didn't create it just to make us miserable. You may be miserable today, but God didn't make the world for you to be miserable. He didn't make you to be miserable. Rather, he, he made you and he made me today because he's merciful and that is a good thing for us to think about. Sometimes we can be miserable, but, and we think, maybe some people have thought in the past, I don't even know why I'm, I'm alive. I would rather not be alive. But God says he has created you to be loving to you. So that's something we should always remember that God is loving toward us and that we ought then to praise him and thank, thank God, not just for the creation that we see around us, but also thank God for making us because he done it in mercy. And that is why we should give thanks to him. Now, the problem comes in when man has sinned. And we, as a reality, man has sinned. God isn't the one who brings misery into this world. It's us. We see misery in this world because of sin and nothing else. Even as we look at we've seen over the past few weeks in the war in Israel, we see misery. The reason there's misery out there and there's war in this world is because of sin. It's not because of God. So we have to realise that the reason there is misery in this world, it's not because God hasn't given us all the things that we can enjoy. I looked out this morning and in between the showers, the nice sun coming through, and we we can say, What wonderful creation God has made. And it's good for us, and God has made it for us to enjoy the food, the, the ourselves. For our neighbours, for all that is around us, we can enjoy it if we look out for what God has made for us. And we realise only misery comes as a result of sin. But then, verses 8 and 9 brings us on to God's next work. And that is his providence. Um, Verse 8. The sun to rule by day, the moon and stars to rule by night. For his mercy endureth forever. So, we see here that the sun is ruling By day, and the moon and stars, they're ruling by night. So, we see here God's providence. So, maybe you don't know what providence is, but providence really is just um, God's creation, is Him making all things, and then God's providence is God's hand over all things, keeping all things in control and ordering all things by His power. We remember what we were looking at earlier God is the Lord of lords, He's the sovereign ruler of the earth. So, all that happens, happens as a result of what God has planned in eternity past and he executes by his providence so you see God is merciful to us in his providence so yes we can praise God and we can give thanks for creating all things but we should also as God's people and even not even sinner today even if you're out of Christ today we all, everyone here is commanded by God oh give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever but we see it in God's providence as he provides for us each and every day the sun comes up every day. The sun goes down every day because God's merciful toward us, and we we know that God is merciful to us in giving us the sun, the moon, and the stars. The sun, we know, it is the main source of our heat, our weather, and it means it keeps all things together. We could have a harvest service here a few weeks back because God and Providence has provided the means whereby we can grow food and we can and have sustenance for ourselves. God and Providence is looking after us through the sun. Also through the moon, I thought the moon was a very interesting thought um, because as I was looking about this and studying about this, um, I came across an article saying about the moon that we may not realise the benefits we have from the moon, but it is there and it creates such an effect in this world that it stabilises the world. And the, 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 the scientist I was reading said that if we did not have the moon, this world would not, be able, would not be livable upon because it would be so unstable. So we see God's blessing not only in the sun, the moon, but also the stars. And maybe not so much maybe in our setting as it has been in the past, but the stars used to be the main source of navigation they used around the, the world. So the stars have such a, a, an impact on this world, even to this day, is uh, as, as a blessing from the hand of God. So again, all of our good, all of our comfort comes from God and his providence. And again, that is something the believer and the unbeliever should give thanks to God for as he provides for us each and every day. So again, we come back to sin. Sin has marred all this. Sin, we, you could say, well, I'm miserable today because of this, that, or the other. It's not as a result of God's providence, but as a result of your sin and sin in general upon this world, it comes and brings us misery. We we're born into a state of sin and misery. And it's only because of God's providence that we find any sort of mercy toward us. In God's common grace, he blessed us with food, clothes, a place of shelter, and even today, a place of worship. And that is God in his providence working with us. So that is a great blessing that we have God from God in his works of creation, in his works of providence. But the greatest work of God is that of redemption. And we have that here from verses 10 down through the end of verse 22. So we could spend all day thinking about God's, God's work in redemption. But we see it's here in the passage, the psalmist has broken up into um, three parts. And the first of those parts is verses 10. To fifteen, so I want to read that with you. now ten to fifteen. Now these works, these words, are a direct reference to Israel as a nation, but they'll be they'll, they're applicable to us today, as we will discover in a minute. First him, to him that smote Egypt in their firstborn and brought Israel, uh, uh, brought out Israel from among them with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm. To him which d- divided the Red Sea into parts and made, made Israel to pass through the midst of it, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his mercy endureth forever." So we see in this section, uh, historically from Israel, God brought out Israel from Egypt. Um, Moses was sent from God to Pharaoh and he asked him time and time again, let my people go. And nine times Pharaoh said no. But it was only as a result of the slaying of the firstborn and as a result of the slaying of the Passover that the Israelites were allowed to go. So it was only whenever the sacrifice was made that the Israelites could make their way out of Egypt. And in type, this shows us today our justification, that when we were in bondage to sin and in slavery to it, the only way we could get out of that bondage and slavery from sin and from the world was through the sacrifice of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the great Passover lamb. So in these verses... We, have, we, we remember that God is merciful to us in providing a sacrifice that we might be free from sin, providing a way for us to escape our, our sin and misery, to escape the wrath of God and us as God's people, we must remember that God, even though we are sinners, even though we are miserable in our sin, yet God provided a saviour that could take us out of our sin and bring us into a new relationship with God. But it's all in spite of our sin. Romans 5 and 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we as God's people have said, we must be thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that should be on our on our lips every day. As we come to him in praise and prayer, we must give thanks to God for the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. So that is how we can be freed from our sin. But I wonder today before we move on, is there anyone here who's out of Christ? Anybody here who has not put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation? Because if you've not, none of the rest of what I'm going to say here today is applicable to you because it is only as a result of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood being applied to you that you can get out of your bondage. You're still a slave to sin today if you have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's very important that you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today. And the promise is that if you put your faith in him, that he will will not cast you out, but he will deliver you as he delivered these Israelites out of the land of Egypt. So he delivers his people from their sin. So we'll move on. Verses 16 through to 20. To him which led his people through the wilderness, to him which smote great kings... And slew famous kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. So in the last section we, we saw God bringing Israel out of Egypt. But now in this section we see that God, God's bringing them through the wilderness. And that word "led" we have in verse 16. It's very interesting. That word "led" there, you could also translate it as to carry. So we could read it this way. To him which carried his people through the wilderness. And I think that's a wonderful description of our life as believers. God doesn't just save us and leave us and have us to make it up all on our own. That we do it in our own strength. Rather, he saves us, he brings us out, but then he carries us the rest of the way. And I think that's a wonderful thought to think of today if you're a believer. That God, he doesn't leave us. Even those dark times, the times maybe we don't... um, Feel God's presence close to us. We don't see God's hand. But we know that he carries us along the way. And he takes us every step of the way. He doesn't leave us behind. He will never leave us nor forsake us. But the mention of kings here, you'll notice that in these few verses. And I think that is a very interesting thing. These two men were very, very big men. They were giants. I think from memory, this man, Og, king of Bashan, his bed was something like over 10 foot long. So I don't know how high that would be from here, but I would say it would nearly make the way to the ceiling from where I'm standing. So this man was a, an enormous man. And I think it's interesting that this, these men are mentioned. That There was lots of people that the Israelites slew, but these men, Sihon and Og, they were both giants, and they were a great challenge and difficulty for the people of Israel. But you'll notice it's interesting that the, that the passage here, the psalmist says, to, he's talking about God here. To him which smote great kings and slew famous kings. Sion king of the Amorites and Og the king of Bashan. The psalmist attributes their God slaying these kings. But as if you look back in the historical accounts. Previous to this. You'll realise that it was actually the children of Israel. Who physically slew these men. They went to war with them. And they killed them. But the psalmist says that God slew them. And I think that's interesting for this fact. Is that whenever we in life. When we come across what we would say is great giants in our lives. Some great trial that has faced us along the way. Yes, God has told us to put on the armor. He has told us to take up that sword of the spirit. And that shield of faith. But we see here in this passage that it is a slaying. These men were slain by God himself. And if we ever want to conquer our great um, giants in our life. We must have our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because it's only through his power that we can ever have victory over great things in our life. And I know as I look out in my life, I can see these great giants ahead. But I know through God's word, it is only through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that I can ever have victory over sin. And whenever I try to do it myself, whenever I say I'm just going to try harder today, not to sin, I always fall flat on my face. But it's only whenever I'm relying and resting upon the Lord Jesus Christ for victory. It is only then that we ever have victory over sin. So we must have our faith firmly put um, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's already purchased it for us on the cross. That our life after we're saved isn't divorced from the cross. We must always remember that if we are to have victory over sin, it's only through the power that was purchased there on the cross Uh, the saviour died for our blessings even we were doing the catechism this morning about adoption we have the rights we have all the rights of the children of the sons of god we have these rights that are available to us but it's because christ has already purchased them on the cross and as we go to him in prayer we claim those rights from god that we can have victory over great giants and it will be Christ that will be receive all the honour and glory. We will not be saying, "Look what I done, or how good I was." No, we'll say, "Look what I could do through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ." So here it shows us that we will only be able to be delivered from our enemies. It's only through the power of God as He carries us along the way. So we read here. Um, I want to look then at, as move further on. I've lost my place, to be honest. Um, will drink might solve that. So yes. So if we are ever to come, if we are ever to have victory over sin, as I've said, we must be brought through the wilderness. But there's a last section here, and I think that that is a blessing to us. If you look with me at the final section, verses twenty one, twenty one and twenty two, we'll read that together. And gave their land. For an heritage, for His mercy endureth forever. Even an heritage unto Israel, His servant, for His mercy endureth forever. So, if we're yes, God brings us through and brings us through our lives, and um, through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're to have victory over our sin, it must be through Him, as He carries us through. But we have also the assurance and the blessed reminder from God that. This is, not, this is not the greatest blessing that we receive. Yes, it's a blessing to have God along with us all the way. But we see here in Israel's experience, they came to a place of rest. They, get, they received their heritage from the Lord. And we also receive an heritage from the Lord. So yes, we're brought out of Egypt. We're then brought through the wilderness. But then God brings us into our heritage. And it's assured for us that if we... Um, go through if we have our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he certainly will bring us to glory to be with him forever. He, we have an, an eternal inheritance waiting for us in glory. We read in Romans chapter eight verse thirty moreover whom he did predestinate them he also called, and whom He called them he also justified, and whom He justified them he also glorified. So we see those who are justified, those who have been brought out of their sin, then God, he also glorified, he has also glorified them. We see the tense there. It doesn't say, whom he justified, them he will glorify. It says, whom he justified, them he also glorified. It's past tense. It's as though Paul was saying here, we're already glorified. Now we know we're not in our glorified bodies yet. That will not happen until the Saviour comes back again. But, this is given to us as though it's already happened. We're already assured of it that if we're justified, God's promise is so sure we know one day we will be glorified. We'll be given that in, in eternal inheritance. And it's for everlasting. And it is God's mercy. And as we've read here this morning, it is for his mercy endureth forever. We can be sure of God's mercy today, but we can be sure of God's mercy throughout all eternity because his mercy endureth forever. And it's a mercy from God that we're able to have salvation. We're able to be forgiven. But also the assurance that we're going to a home in heaven. And I think that's one of of the most wonderful blessings as a believer. To know that this world isn't our final place. This isn't our final home. We know that we have a home eternal prepared for us in heaven. And in new heavens and new earth when the saviour comes back again. We will be assured that God will bring us. To heaven for all eternity. And I think that's a great encouragement for us to go today. To endure our battles. To go through all these things. Because we know that then God will come and still bless us. I think an interesting passage is Romans 8 again verse 34 to 37. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea rather that is risen again. Who Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So no matter what we face, no matter what it is that comes up against us, we are more than conquerors. And we know that when the final day comes... God will make us more than conquerors over all our enemies because the last enemy is death. And when the Savior comes back again, we will be raised again in a glorified body. And we will be able to say we are conquerors of all things through him that loved us, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a blessing that is to know. And again, let us give thanks as God people for his mercy in saving us, for his mercy in keeping us. But his mercy also that gives us assurance of a home in heaven when we come to die. But I want to think of you, the, the, those who are out of Christ here this morning, and how you will fail to stand before the Almighty God in heaven. All of what I've been saying is applicable to God's people and God's people only. We cannot, you cannot be assured of heaven if you have not your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what will it be like for you to stand before Almighty God on that judgment day in your sin? rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, as God made, he could even say to you, he says, look, how mercy, merciful I have been to you. I have made all things for your enjoyment. I have provided all things in your providence. I even provided a way of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ and my mercy and my grace and my love towards you. I offered the free offer of the gospel, yet today you reject it. Lord Jesus Christ and when you stand before him your sin. how will you feel when you have openly rejected the Lord Jesus Christ God's son how will you feel on that day standing before the Almighty God in heaven because although I've said that God is good yet he's good in his wrath he is good in his judgment he will not overlook sin like a good judge would not look over a crime committed by a criminal God in his mercy and in his love will judge sin. But will you stand before him today uh, at the judgment day in your sin? Will you reject the Lord Jesus Christ again today? I would not want to be standing before the almighty God of heaven in my sin. I'm thankful that there is a Passover lamb and we are covered in his blood, the the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a robe of righteousness which is provided for us. So today, if you're still in your sin, I would plead with you this morning, turn from your sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. So we've come then through the main body of the psalm, but I just want to finish today with the conclusion that the psalmist gives us from verses 23 to 26. Yes, God, he remembers us. Well, we'll just read them together. Verse 23, who remembered us in our lowest state, And hath redeemed us from our enemies. Who giveth food to all flesh. For his mercy endureth forever. So we see here. In these verses from 22 to 25. He brings us. And he just causes us to. to, He summarizes all he has been saying. He has remembered us in our lowest state. He remembered us when we were slaves of sin. Then he redeemed us from all our enemies. He redeemed us from sin. He redeemed us from corruption. He brought us back. From the slave market of sin, and he brought us to God. He has redeemed us, and he has made us acceptable in the sight of God. And we also know, as we look in verse 25, who giveth food to all flesh, and as he's redeemed us, and he's promised here, he giveth food to all mankind. Well, if he's provided for all mankind, he's provided what we need, then will he not provide what we need as his people? Will he not provide all that we need um, to live this life? So he's just recapping all that he's been saying. He's saying, remember, God's been merciful to you. He remembered you as a sinner. Then he remembered you as redeeming you out of your sin. And then he remembers us as he provides for us continually, each and every day, all that we need, he provides for us. And what are we to do as a result of all of this? Well, God has given us the command. He, he told us there at the start, We'll oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So, as us as God's people, let us be a, a, a thanksgiving people. Let us give our thanks to God in prayer today. And let us, our hearts be thankful for all that the Saviour has done for us. Because the, Psalm, the psalmist ends in verse 26 with this Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. Now, as a wonderful way to end, we realize God has been good to us, the God of heaven. So, let us give thanks to him for his mercy.